Hi, this is Andy, and thank you for joining me for the Next Stage Radicals podcast, where each month I'm joined by a Next Stage Radical, someone who is hands-on in the work of discovering new and better ways of working, challenging the conventions of Management 1.0 in order to move the world of work to the next stage. In each episode, I invite my guests to share their warts and all stories about what works and what doesn't, and what it's taking for them to make work work better. This month's Radical is Jeremy Cox. Jeremy has had a pretty varied career, a background in engineering, a manager in financial services, a director of quality improvement at CQC, the health and care regulator in England, uh, plus 20 or so years as a coach and consultant to organisations that are exploring radical ways of working. That brings us right up to the present, where I'm delighted to know that Jeremy and I are colleagues uh, together at Easier Inc, where we help people develop better ways of working and better places to work. Jeremy, thanks for joining me. Welcome to the Next Stage Radicals podcast. Um, Hi, Andy. Thanks for that. Yeah, great to have you here. Uh, are you ready? Will we get stuck in eight questions in 10 or so minutes? Yeah, I'm good to go. It should be a rapid uh, whiz round the block. I'm looking forward to it. Good stuff. Okay, um, so you know where we're starting. Question one, um, what is your radical idea or vision? Uh, so uh, this is, uh, I think, a demonstration of me being hopelessly ambitious, um, but I really believe it's possible to detailorize the way that we organize schools, organizations, governments, economies, and actually kind of find a way to rehumanize the business of how we organize ourselves. So kind of what, what does that mean, detailorizing? It means I think we, we, we can give up the ideas of hierarchy, reductionism, uh, and embrace complexity. And, and find a way that we can learn about the reality of our interconnectedness as people, communities, organisations and countries. So, you know, that's a pretty radical idea. Um, it, it's, it's about overturning, you know, 100 plus years worth of kind of management norms uh, and, and really reinventing the way we operate. Um, and, and for me, you know, constantly learning, we're constantly developing New, new ways of trying to put this into practice but it's really I think about a synthesis of the technical the psychological uh, and the philosophical okay your new management consultants can do philosophy <laughs> <laughs> well I, I think that's one of the radical ideas it's you know not not purely technical we've got to put the human uh, and I think the, the philosophical is a, a really fascinating dimension of that so that's that's one for another podcast Cool, for sure. And, and just in case listeners aren't aware of kind of the, the history behind tailorizing uh, work and detailorizing work, do you want to just say a little bit about where that's from? Yeah, so there's a, a fascinating book published in 1911 by Frederick Winslow Taylor, who uh, is kind of widely considered to be the father of scientific management. <clears throat> and he, he, he did two really interesting things. Uh, in the states, in kind of emerging mass production environments, uh, for, first of all, he he created the kind of systematic study and improvement of the way work was done. So that was scientific management, and you know that's kind of great. That's a really important technical innovation. But what he did at the time, and it was a product of the world at that time, <clears throat> was to make that uh, systematic experimentation with work the work 
of managers. So kind of in a way, Taylor created modern management. You know, there's lots of other characters that have been involved over the years, but you know, the, the kind of the name Taylor and Taylorization has, has become attached. And he, he created this idea that it was the responsibility of managers to specify and control the work of others <clears throat> and hold other people accountable to the rules that management have set. So, you know, people often talk about the kind of horizontal functionalization in organizations and the boundaries between, you know, jobs and departments and functions. But, but Taylor kind of introduced this idea of vertical functionalization. Uh, workers work, managers manage. Uh, and I think that's, um, a, a dreadful disease that we've inherited and something that I, I honestly believe we can think our, think and act our way out of. So, uh, you know, it's a really interesting book, dead easy to read. It's very thin. So 1911, Principles of Scientific Management. Uh, and you can see in there, if you read it, the seeds of things that we're all doing in our organisations even today. Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, so that, that I think leads nicely to my second question for you, Ben. So uh, there may be some people listening who are managers who've just heard that and, and now have the fear. Um, so, so, so for them and for others, why would what you're proposing leave the world better off? Well, I, I think it's really important to note that, you know, we I don't have a problem with man managers. You know, uh, most most people are decent, honest, hardworking, and really want things to be good and work well. Um, it's it's the practice of modern management that we we need to work on. Uh, but I think beyond the scale of anything, really, of the extended family, <clears throat> what we've ended up doing is creating ways of organising that are fundamentally flawed, and that create outcomes that really are below par. So our, our organisations make staff miserable, they make customers weary, you know, they, they make societies and the planet worse off than it needs to be. And, and that's because we've created top-down functional hierarchies. We, we have the control of subordinates by managers. We have things like targets and incentives. We have rigid planning and project management systems. And those are all things that are kind of pretty much hardwired into way that most organizations of any scale work and i've seen time and time again in clients that this idea the radical idea of embracing complexity uh, working on shared purpose and action creating systems that are you know genuinely kind of human-centered and bespoke by design and I'm sure, you know, the, the people that you'll be talking to in, the, in this podcast series who are the leaders and managers that are practicing this stuff in reality, you know, all we're doing is teaching people this and, and helping them. You know, they'll talk about these services being better, <clears throat> but all of these things uh, really lead to better services, better human relationships, you know, better revenue and better morale in organisations. It's genuinely a situation where everybody wins. Okay, uh, brilliant, brilliant. So, so it's the practices of management that you're, you're challenging here, rather than the the people called managers. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm 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 relentlessly um, optimistic about you know kind of the, the the fundamental good in human nature. Actually, most people we work with in organisations want things to be good. Um, you know, the big problem is they're kind of stuck um, because we all think that this Taylorist world is normal. Mm. Um, so it's just a matter of kind of helping helping people out of that um, without without kind of making them feel terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
So, well, I mean, again, you're leading me nicely to, to my question three, um, almost as if I gave you the questions in advance to think about it. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> given, given what you're just describing there, and you, you've touched on some of these things, but, but to kind of detailorize the world then, um, what is it that we would need to give up if we wanted to embrace this? Yeah, I, I, do you know, I think it's really uh, a, a fundamental question of starting in the education system. Um, you know, from nursery schools to primaries, right through to high school and university. What, what I think would really fundamentally help is if we gave up uh, our emphasis on testing, grades, standards and individual achievements. You know, we've got, we've got to stop focusing on the outcomes, um, on the outputs of education and, and really focus on the processes instead. So, you know, I've, I've spent the last 22 years because that's the age of my, my oldest child and, and this is still a work in progress because I've still got um, three, three, three of my offspring in the education system. But I've spent the last 22 years essentially immunising my kids against the, the kind of daftness of the industrial education system and, and helping them to try and engage with the idea that what matters is kind of the, the beauty and the process of learning so you know it, it's it's about the scientific method not remembering the things in the science test marking scheme that you need to remember to get a good score in your test results um, and you know even when you've got a, a parent as daft as me trying to help their kids out all the time with these ideas they 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 still come home you know worried about what's in the marking scheme and not being able to explain what the scientific method is you know it's crazy so you know i think what what education does is, is basically kind of prepare our young people to enterize the to enter the tailorized world and think it's normal and not to challenge it um so if we if we start with an alternative view of education where teachers pupils parents are all worried about helping young people become skillful learners, good collaborators, skillful problem solvers, you know, helping them figure out what being a good citizen looks like. Um, actually, we're, we're going to create a world, you know, in a couple of generations time, I think, where better ways of organising um, actually start to stick. Mm. So, you know, a bit of a long winded answer, but I think what we need to give up fundamentally is is the um testing grades standards individual achievement um paradigm that the current education system is built on top to bottom yeah fascinating i mean what what how that's landing for me is it it sort of feels a little bit like if we want to change our institutions we need to stop institutionalizing people um, yeah yeah and yeah, uh, absolutely so i wonder i mean what what that prompts is, is maybe something of uh the the chicken and egg problem you know that um you know is if we're institutionalized can we change our institutions and and how yeah. do you break the cycle so i i, I wonder yeah. coming to my fourth question for you um is that something you experience in practice is, is that a, a kind of practical issue that you work with and if so what are you doing to explore how to uh, detailorize the world in practice yeah, I think that's a that's a really good framing. You know, we, we have to help people today 
to deinstitutionalize themselves and their institutions as i think as well as thinking about how we kind of put the foundations in place like influencing the education system you know so so i spent a time as a school governor for example in the primary school just try trying to help um the staff and the governors in that system focus on teaching and learning rather than trying to keep Ofsted happy you know and it's really hard to do so um re really what I'm what I'm trying to do I think fundamentally is uh, I've landed through a process of trial and error um on I'm, I'm much more useful um kind of helping other people as, as a consultant and a coach um ra rather than kind of being a manager myself uh, that, that way I can hopefully kind of spread more of this stuff uh, get more people involved in, influence more ideas um and and it, it, you know it, it, i think i think we 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 have to practice a combination of just helping people confront the issues they have today uh make things work better that creates a positive feedback loop where they'll do more but at the same time you you have to uh, you know attack the foundations and try and, and try and put some building blocks in place that, that help people really institutionalize a better ways of working mm. so you know fix it for today but also um, make sure that you're building institutions and structures that work better for tomorrow mm -hmm. so that that sounds like um you know a, a pragmatic but but um, but maybe quite difficult to hold mix of, uh, you know, doing practical things in the here and now, kind of playing the ball as it lies type stuff. Yep. And yet at the same time, getting into the difficult territory of, you know, really looking at the foundations and saying, what can we do about them? Um, yeah, yeah. So if, if that's right, Jeremy, I mean, that I'm sure there are exciting times which we'll come to, but but there must be times when that's hard work or you know doubt creeps in or or you're facing struggles. Uh, just tell us a little bit about those. What what does that look like? Well, I th I think there's a couple of things. What one is, I think because this work, you know, and that's kind of why we're here talking about it, isn't it? Is genuinely radical. Um, it's really easy to kind of suffer, um, kind of waves of imposter syndrome. Um, you know, so so we're working with, you know, some really um, adventurous, intelligent, uh, gifted people who are who are you know incredibly brave and leading change in their organisations. So so often we kind of think, well, who on earth am I to kind of have the audacity to presume that I can see through the fog and and help these people kind of make changes. Um, you know, but the reality of that is actually having an outside view is often massively helpful, even for the most competent people. So, you know, imposter syndrome is a is a real, you know, kind of constant thing at the back of your mind. Uh, I think I think the other thing that um, creates doubt and struggle is the fact that in in this line of work, you know, people very rarely say thank you. Um, so, you know, to clients. It, it's actually pretty unremarkable to them that we've done our job and helped them because um, that's kind of what we're there for. But the reality is it's actually quite difficult. Um, now, you know, I'm not, I'm not kind of looking for sympathy or claiming that what I'm doing here is as, as challenging as, you know, putting a shift in, in a coal mine and digging coal out of the ground or working in a care home 
or teaching a classroom full of kids. Um, but, but actually it's quite difficult. Uh, we spend a lot of time away from our families. We invest a huge amount of emotional energy in our clients and the people we're working with. Um, and it's very, very rare that anybody says, do you know what, actually, um, uh, my my life is genuinely better as a result of what you've done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, you know, it's just kind of what we're there for. So people expect us to do it. So, and they, they just don't notice. So, uh, you know, and I'm not having a go at anybody. That's just a genuine reaction to your question of, you know, what makes it, what makes it a struggle? Yeah. Well, that's, um, that's a human response to the human question. I mean, it, it, it's funny yeah, you're yeah. smiling because, um, because it, it really resonates for me. And I, I'm sort of thinking, you know, that there, there will quite rightly be very few people out there thinking that a couple of management consultants with the smallest fiddle in the world. Um, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> quite much sympathy, but, um, but yes. hey, we, all, we all face our struggles. <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, the, the, this, this call, I hope, and you know, this podcast will fit in really nicely with, you know, the real practitioners um, who, are, who are, you know, genuinely the interesting people and the other podcast people I hope will love. Um, but I, I hope people will, will, will kind of recognise that actually we're in the same game. You know, we're all, we're all kind of firing out of the same trench and trying to make the world a slightly better place. Um, so as you say, it's not management consultants seeking sympathy. It, it's actually human beings who are involved in um, an endeavour called Let's Try and Make Organisations Work Better. Um, it, it, you know, so, I, you know, the last thing I ever want to be thought of is, is a management consultant because most of them sell snake oil. <laughs> um, cool. Okay. Well, I'm not going to get drawn into that one. Um, <laughs> that's but, the next podcast series. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's quite a separate one. Um, but I, I think, I mean, what you did start to touch on there, though, in, in terms of, you know, human beings uh, all trying to make the world a bit better. So, so for me, that that's the world that excites me and I know excites you. So, so let, let's switch track and, and come to my next question, question six, which is when it's feeling exciting, um, what does it feel could be possible? What, what's your experience of, of that like? Okay, it's, a great, it's a great question. And I think... Um, actually it's a simpler answer because often when things aren't going so well it's you know muddled and confusing but uh, I've, I've had the genuine privilege of working with some fantastically creative principled uh, hard-working people that are, are doing some fantastic things in their organizations and that that reinforces you know regularly with me that there are enough people out there who, who are doing these radical things you know, not, not because it's a fad, but because it actually works. You know, it does make things better. Um, and I think that, that proves to me that there's a critical mass of people doing stuff that is going to, you know, tilt the earth on its axis a little bit. Um, and that, that's what good feels like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, again, it resonates for me. I, I think my experience of the last handful of years is that the conversation really has shifted and there are more and more people... Yeah. Um, looking towards these different ways of working so it's exciting times i think yeah yeah and that that is, is, is you know we've kind of talked a little bit about never really getting any thanks and you know that's fine uh, it's not it's not really a problem but but kind of what's gratifying is that there's less hostility 
<laughs> as you say so uh, we're, we're kind of regularly confronted with more curiosity and less hostility to these ideas which which does genuinely make it more more encouraging uh, you know we're definitely pushing on an open door now and that, yeah. that is tangible for sure Brilliant. So um, I'm going to draw us to a close shortly, but, um, but before I do, I, I know that you've got an enormous amount of experience, um, you know, 20 plus years of consulting experience and all the rest. Uh, and, and with that comes some, uh, you know, hard won wisdom, I suspect. So if, if you were able to offer just one <laughs> advice to, to our listeners, what would you share with them? Well, I, I would say... Uh, starting life as an engineer um being quite a kind of rational empirical person um i always used to get myself into trouble uh, and always used to become furious when people just didn't do what i told them the right answer was uh, and over the years i've gradually learned that um human beings are weird and wonderful things and there's this thing called psychology <laughs> uh so you know my, my 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 huge learning curve has been around the social rather than the technical um and 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 really what i would want to share with other people is that uh, they should pay attention to cognitive biases it's a really fascinating field and really kind of helpful um you know you don't you don't have to be an expert you just need to be aware of these things and uh, you know just to illustrate this my my favorite's the dunning kruger effect <clears throat> so it's basically a cognitive bias that uh, is is summed up in a graph that tracks how people rate their own expertise over time. So it's a bit like a roller coaster where you go up, up a really steep ramp uh, and then suddenly you hit the top and you shoot down um, and then you're into a kind of U-shaped curve. So So what happens is people, as they're in their early stages of learning, believe more and more in their own expertise and you think, oh, this is brilliant. I've cracked this leadership stuff now. I know everything there is to know, uh, look at me, I'm an absolute genius. And then you hit the top of the curve um, and all of a sudden the, the horrible realisation dawns that you've now just learnt enough to realise how much you don't know. Mm. Uh, and, and I've been in situations where there's been you know, tears of upset and arguments and teams and individuals you know, becoming really upset when that realisation kind of has hit them. Mm. so uh i think i think you know just just be aware all the time that the more you learn the less you know but actually in a weird way that makes you feel more competent because what you realize is that that's made you more skillful and given you a, a huge dollop of humility mm. if you can take that on board so you still know more than the learners the issue is the learners think they know more than you so you've got to find ways of helping them. And I think, you know, th think a little bit about perhaps Donald Trump is, is the archetype of the, the Dunning-Kruger effect. You know, he's a, an eternal incompetent who's forever trapped <laughs> in, cli in climbing up that curve of self-belief and has never actually got to the point where he's realised how little he knows and genuinely thinks he's the smartest guy around. Really? Um, and people that have learned more than him have realized that they know more than he does, but they realize they know less. So, you know, learn, learn about cognitive biases. Um, and and I, I think that's a, a, a really important place for people to start. You know, there's loads of, God, it's an impossible question to answer because you can never give anybody 
one bit of advice. Mm, mm. Um, but you know, I'd, yeah. I'd like. I'd... Wait, I, I, I'm sort of sitting here wondering whether I should be offering some sort of legalese caveats on, uh, you know, uh, we're not anti Donald Trump, but. Um, but maybe we just are. Who knows? Um, yes. Well, that's why I chose him as an example. <laughs> because most people, uh, I think, would agree with us. And the people that don't agree with us, um, you know, who cares? <laughs> well, there you go. So um, for any listeners yes. listening, um, they're either with us or, or not. I suppose it's the message there. Um, yes. Uh, uh, apologies to friends of Donald. Um, okay. Yes, that, uh, let's see if that bit makes the edit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't think I'm skilled enough to edit it out, so it's in. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it, it's pushing me rapidly towards closing this whole thing down. So, Jeremy, <laughs> before we get ourselves into too much more trouble, um, thanks for uh, taking the time to do that. I mean, I know we get plenty of time together, but, um, but I've enjoyed that, and I, I'm sure our listeners will too. Um, uh, maybe just to, to wrap us up if, if people listening have enjoyed that or, or want to find out a bit more about some of the things you've shared what should they do? Uh, I would say uh, go and have a look at uh, the things I've blogged about on the Next Stage Radicals website um, and also just you know connect on LinkedIn so come find me and connect you'll find me on LinkedIn uh, I'm on Twitter at JGC Online um, and just to also say, we're going to be running um, a webinar after this podcast. Um, and that actually, we hope, would be a really nice way to get into a conversation. So rather than just, you know, following me in the digital domain, let, let's have a chat. Um, we're planning to do that in early October. But you know, that, that, that conversation would be brilliant. And also, you know, just get in touch with me personally via LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, if you if you want to chat one to one, I do I do I'm aware that I often come across as being intense and serious, uh, but actually I'm quite nice. So you know, don't be shy. Give us a bell. Cool. Well, I, I can vouch for that. Uh, he's definitely quite nice, listeners. Um, so yeah, early October. If you want to find the details of that, um, go to nextageradicals.net, and the the details will be listed there. Um, I uh, cordially invite Donald Trump and any Donald Trump fans to join us for that. That, that should be for fun. Um, uh, but they may not be in the same echo chamber as us. No, possibly not. Um, cool. Jeremy, thanks again. I've really enjoyed that. Um, and uh, I'll look forward to catching up about other things soon. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Thanks very much, Andy. It's been, uh, it's been great. Thank you for listening. I'd love to hear your thoughts and reflections, so please tweet me at Next Radicals or get in touch at nextstageradicals.net. There you'll also find hundreds of posts and podcasts, sketch notes and stories, reports and resources, which Next Stage Radicals like you have shared as they explore what it takes to make work work better. Thank you.